Good afternoon, Bridgewater State University. Welcome back to uh, episode 41 of the Consports Nerds podcast. I am um, Jocelyn, finally moved into a brand new uh, dorm, Freeman. And I'm and I'm just confusing me here. And, and we have ourselves a special guest, um, our, our friend from the UK, but is currently in Montreal. He is a probably one of my favorite series of Whatever Happened to. He's the creator of that. Welcome to the show, Mr. On Man Rush. Hey guys, how's it going? Going well. So we'll start off with the sanctions uh, that happened over the weekend. Andres Vechnikov and Sean Couturier. Yes, we have uh, the. Uh, uh, we're going to be starting off uh, with uh, NHL uh, today. Uh, I know we usually start off with, uh, with football, but we're flipping it over the ice immediately uh, to bring you guys the massive extension of uh, of Jordan Martinook's favorite uh, meme. <laughs> Mr. Svechnikov! <laughs> you were impersonating now. That sounds a lot longer. Yeah. Uh, but of uh, uh, Sveshnikov getting himself eight years, sixty-two million uh, dollars, uh, as uh, as the same with Sean Couturier. Uh, I'm surprised that the contract is very early on. Yeah, uh, I mean, Sveshi is definitely worth that contract. I definitely say that uh, this early on in his career, he's definitely earned himself uh, that good of a, that much of a contract. I mean, in the team usually implodes around. Um, the the team seems to usually implode in the playoffs around him and him and Sebastian Ajo. Uh, but uh, but considering where he's at now, I'm not surprised that they gave him uh, this this big of an extension. Well, I mean, I can compare it to obviously Sean Couturier's contract as well. Let's be honest, both of them are earning the exact same contract, the exact same term, but they're earning it for different reasons. Obviously, Couturier is a pretty productive player in and of himself. Like he's had a solid career ever since he's been with Philly. He's been a solid player, but he's not the point scoring forward that Andrei Sveshnikov is. Sveshnikov is obviously getting that contract because they're expecting him to be one of, if not their top point scorer every single season, uh, a leader in that locker room, like you mentioned, Justin, like everything flows through Sveshnikov, right? Depending on how he's playing is how the rest of the Hurricanes are going to play. And then if you flip that on the other side with uh, Sean Couturier, I mean, he's a Selkie winner. Like he, he knows how to play that two-way game. He knows how to shut down the other team's top players. He's made a name for himself of being not only a decent point scorer, but he can, he can shut down other teams' strong players. And obviously, Bergeron's kind of the player every single year that's up for Selkie votes because he just seems to be that one step ahead of everybody. But over these last right. few years, there's been a couple of other yeah. people that have thrown themselves into the mix, and Couturier is one of them. And I think if they're going to give anybody on the flyers that type of contract, Couturier is well-deserving of it, not just for his offensive capabilities, but also for his defensive capabilities as well. So like you mentioned, both players, very deserving of those contracts, but for completely different reasons. Yep. 
very much agree on that one. So we'll stay with the Hurricanes. They decide to go trolling on the Habs. Yeah, uh, the uh, the Hurricanes offshooted one of the better young stars that really shined in the playoffs last year, Jesperi Kakaniemi. Uh, for one year, six million, six point one million dollars. Knowing that uh, Montreal didn't have the cast space to uh, to do it, uh, so they got Kakaniemi, and as just an added bonus for yes, uh, yes, uh, Ferrari, what did he get? Twenty bucks. What is the biggest middle finger the Montreal Carolina can give? So I, I would say that Montreal's a really unique situation here. Like, obviously, the Kotkaniemi stuff is pretty crazy, but I think everybody forgets that, I mean, at the moment, Kotkaniemi is Montreal's second-best centre. They lost yep. Philip Deneau in free agency to the Los Angeles Kings on a huge deal that, frankly, a lot of people were quite surprised he signed for as much as he did. I believe it was upwards of $5 million a year, which, I mean, yeah. Deneau proved himself in the Stanley Cup finals and throughout the playoffs last year. He is one of the best defensively-minded forwards in the NHL. His offense isn't quite there, like just like we were talking a minute ago, comparing him to somebody like Sean Couturier. He's got the defensive capabilities of Couturier, but he's not quite the same point scorer as Sean Couturier, which is why yeah. Couturier is earning the $8 million mm-hmm. a year and Deneau's earning the $5 million a year. Uh, actually, Couturier is section half, earning uh, 7.75 per. Oh, yeah, there you go. Sorry, my mistake. But um, yeah, I, I find that this is such a unique situation because like you mentioned, the Habs, they're struggling for cap space at the moment. Obviously putting Shea Weber on LTIR for the entire season will help offload some of those issues. But what everybody seems to forget or what I've noticed some people have been forgetting, and there's been some keener eyed fans on you know hockey Twitter and everything that have mentioned it. After this season, Kotkaniemi is still a restricted free agent. He's only 21 years old. So he gets a one-year contract for $6.1 million. His qualifying offer next season has to be at least $6.1 million. So I'm not quite sure. Obviously, this is a great troll job by the Hurricanes, obviously because of the the past with the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet that Montreal signed. And the way they kind of did it across social media was very much echoing uh, the way the Habs announced the Ajo uh, offer sheet a couple of uh, years ago. And but, now the Hurricanes are trying, you know, I have their stuff in French. Exactly, exactly. That was and the they, they best like, troll job. Yeah, they, they use like the exact same statement or whatever from Mark Bergevin when he mentioned about how Aho like believed in the group of young guys they had in the Habs locker room, et cetera, et cetera. But I find that whilst the Hurricanes have the cap space to do this, is this more they're focused on, do they actually want Kotkaniemi? is my question. And why would they be willing to pay $6.1 million for him? I, I, I don't understand if this is... Yeah, they might want Kotkaniemi as their third-line centre. I think maybe outside the Montreal uh, fan base and uh, uh, outside the bubble of Montreal, this might be a good example of, of Kotkaniemi getting the chance to move to a different team that's out of the spotlight, play with some pretty solid players, like chances are he'll play with the likes of like Trocek, for example, like, and he's a solid yep. NHL. Like, he's, he's not a first-line guy, but he's a top-six guy without a doubt. And, you know, he might be able to have a career year for himself. But then the problem is, if the Hurricanes want to retain him, they're going to probably have to pay at least $6.1 million. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't blame Kotkaniemi for any of this. Like, he's a player. His career's only going to last so long. And he's been presented with the opportunity where a team's gone... Come play for us. You'll make $6.1 million next season. 
his his play in the last year and the last couple of years hasn't warranted a six point one million dollar contract. I think everybody's in agreement with that. He's he's a decent player, but he's still a work in progress. He, he he's not at that point yet where he's ready to make six point one million dollars as a legitimate scoring NHL forward. But their bank, this is the kind of contract. If they had given him six point one million dollars over four or five years. I'd be more understanding of that because it's you're thinking of the long term. You're thinking you're trying to pay him for what he's going to become so that by year four or five of the contract, he's going to be a steal for that price tag because he's a top player in the league. But he's not there and it's only a one-year contract. So I, I really struggle to think what Caroline is actually trying to do with this. Are they genuinely thinking we need Kotkaniemi as a third-line center and we're willing to pay him second-line player money to be a third-line guy or a depth guy for us because we liked how he played? Or are they more focusing on we want to get revenge for Sebastian Ajo off a sheet and we don't really care how much it costs. Obviously, Montreal can match it. It doesn't mean anything to them. They're going to have to give up a first-round pick and a third-round pick if Kotkaniemi signs the contract. That's a lot to give up for a guy that you're going to take for one year and who's still 21 years old and you know hasn't shown that he's got that next level of NHL caliber play in him. So I really, I really don't understand what the Hurricanes are doing here. It's fascinating. I'm loving the drama. But like the more common sense side of me is like, what's actually the plan here, though? That's uh, that's also uh, not. Uh, it's also not even taking into account that uh, we can never really predict uh, player development. Going back to the, uh, if we can just go back to the fires a little a bit, like uh, they just they just traded uh, the uh, the world to get it Rasmus Ristolainen, who was supposed to develop into one of the best. Is defenseman in the league, Ings, and and eight years later, where the uh, where the hell is it? And uh, so it's entirely going to depend on how uh, how Kakniemi pro- produces as a third line guy if they choose to put him on the third line. Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more. I, and I think kind of going back to the. Uh, you mentioned Rasmus Ristolainen. That's a really good point as well. I think it Buffalo's been a dumpster fire for the past decade. Let's be honest here. Let's not mince words here, guys. The Buffalo Sabres for the last decade have been nothing short of a dumpster fire. They've done rebuild after rebuild and nothing stuck yet. Jack Eichel, obviously, we know all about the saga that's going on with him right now. Um, will he? Will they, won't they trade him? He wants to be traded. The team haven't found his surgery or his medical conditions. All of that stuff. There's such a... Uh, uh, an interesting situation there that you could sit there and make an entire podcast purely based on that, you know? Um, But at the same time, you've got to think that yes, Rasmus Ristolainen was brought in to be one of the players that changed the way that people looked at the Buffalo Sabres. He's meant to be like one of the next greats of Buffalo. He's going to be, you know, uh, one of their defensemen, their top right-hand defensemen for the next five, 10 years. The problem is if you look at the teams that he played on, he didn't really get much help. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like if, if, if you want to, you can sit there and say, well, Rasmus Ristolainen, he hasn't lived up to the hype. And you're well within your right to say that. And I would agree with you. The problem is you have to put these players in the correct position to be able to flourish. You've got to have a, a decent core of players around them. And I, I'm going to use the Rangers as an example. I know I'm biased to them, but you've got, <laughs> you've got to think. You've got Capo Carco, who hasn't quite lived up to his potential yet. You have Alexei Lafreniere, who... His first season, his rookie season last year was, it was up and down. It started off pretty weak, but it got better towards the end. And there's looking like there's some positive signs there. 
But you've also got to remember they have Zabanajad, Artemi Panarin, who's an absolute incredible player to watch. So exciting to watch him play. You've got Ryan Strome, who had a career season for himself. You have Adam Fox. Exactly. Philip Heatle, who before his injury last year was looking like he'd really taken another step in his game and could well do this season. You've got Adam Fox, the Norris Trophy winner. Like You've got a solid core of players there, and that's not even mentioning Igor Shesterkin and Alexander Georgiev, who are two young guys in the crease that look like they could be there for the next five to ten years if everything goes the right way. You look at, You can compare that to the Maple Leafs of four or five years ago. You had all these young guys coming in, but then they obviously go and sign Tavares. They go and pick up some other good veteran guys, like uh, not this season. Well, the season just gone. They had Wayne Simmons in the lineup. Like you've got to find guys that Joe Thornton, exactly. So you've got to find these guys that help cultivate a certain, I I don't know, a a certain presence within the locker room, a certain experience, like guys that have been deep in the playoffs, have won championships, that know what it takes to win, who have been in the NHL for a long time. You can't just expect to throw an entire roster of super young players or fringe NHLers, veterans on their way out and be like, good luck. You'll get it done. You're all great players. I think everything that's come out with the Buffalo Sabres these last sort of three, four years, especially this year and and because of the terrible season they had finishing rock bottom in the NHL, was the fact that there's been a lot of dysfunction within the Buffalo Sabres organization as a whole from the top down. So how can you expect a player that isn't a once in a generation kind of guy like a Jack Eichel, how can you expect them to flourish in a situation like that? If you look at all of the pieces from their most recent rebuild, not the one they're doing right now, you notice that all of those pieces are gone now, except for Jack Eichel. But the only reason they can't trade him is because of his injury and his $10 million cap hit. He is right. a solid player and he, he's well-deserving when he's healthy of a $10 million cap hit. And it just goes to show you how incredible of a career he could go on to have if he's within a better environment. So whilst Ristolainen, you can obviously sit there and go, well, I mean, like he didn't live up to the potential. He didn't. He earned a lot of money for what he was doing. And there were points where he was one of, if not the worst defenseman, like purely defenseman, defensive side of the game in the NHL. You could make that argument. But... Think of the other players that he's played with throughout his time in Buffalo. I bet you can't name one of them because, because they're, they're either players that are fringe guys, they're players that were signed to overexpensive contracts and there was no expectation for them to be like a solid guy for that team for the next four or five years, or they're guys that are no longer in the NHL because they weren't quite good enough, but Buffalo had to take what they could get, you know? The, uh, what is it? The only mm, player, the only like defenseman that's really coming to... Mm, that's really coming to mind are, uh, is Rasmus Dahlin. And he just came in like a few years ago. But uh, yeah, Buffalo's got, uh, yeah, that team, they're just going through rebuild after rebuild. I mean, they could have had Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, and I mean, in Sam Reinhardt, he's fantastic. Uh, but you look at Sam Reinhardt and you look at uh, Leon Dreisaitl and you say, which one would I rather have? Uh, what I rather have, and it's just like one. It's becoming one of the great what ifs of of recent NFL hit NHL history. Absolutely, and uh, you could also make the argument in in one sense that you know Leon Draisaitl, uh, he gets a lot of. I feel like he gets a lot of unfair criticism because it's like, oh well, he plays with McDavid. Of course, he's going to rack up that many points. But I think you've also got to consider that at the same time, a lot of the time he has played in the last few years when he won his Hart Trophy as the league MVP, like if McDavid was playing like McDavid plays, then Dreisaitl wouldn't win that. Or you could make the argument that 
McDavid is pretty much every single season a, a shoe-in to win the Hart Trophy because he's right. just so incredible and he's such an incredible player. And yes, Dreisaitl has spent some time playing with McDavid, but he's also spent a lot of time forwarding his own line. He's, he's typically the second-line centre for the Oilers. And a, a big reason as to why I think he won the Hart Trophy and had so much success is because he was anchoring his own line during that Hart Memorial season. And he could show, look, I don't need McDavid. It's a solid one-two punch. It's like, it's like this generation you could say i guess this generation's version of crosby and malkin you need that Mm -hmm. one two punch down the middle and they just so happen to have two generational talents they just need to figure the rest of the roster out and they're going to be rolling in it you know right yeah i guess speaking of uh speaking of uh the state and eichel uh he switched player agencies to uh uh, pat Britton, and who also represents kane Tavares, crosby Drew McKinnon, Seth Jones, and a bunch of other players. See, that's that's a very interesting scenario because obviously people will sit there and think, you know, oh, change the player agent. What's that going to happen? Like, what's what's going to change with a, a new player agent and all this stuff? I think Jack Eichel has specifically hired this agent because he's used to working with superstar players, and he's gone right. You need to figure this out for me. I'm hiring you specifically to come and help me be a better or, or help me find a better situation, help me get traded. Because it's, it's, it's clear, Jack Eichel has made it abundantly clear, his former agent made it abundantly clear that all he wants to do is get out of Buffalo. He, he's got like a no trade list or whatever, but he's like, I need a fresh start elsewhere in the league. He's obviously not very happy with how um, the Sabres handled his injury and he's made that abundantly clear as well or his agent has made it abundantly clear. Just so, let the man get the surgery. <laughs> exactly. But that, but I, I, can, I can understand the hesitancy because when you look into the injury that he's had and the surgery that he's asking for, no professional player has come back from that surgery and carried on playing at the professional level. That's a surgery you get when you retire. As far as I've looked up, I might be wrong on this. There might have been some new developments recently because it's been a while since I looked at that. But as far as I'm aware, there's no player that's come back and played like a full season professionally, let alone played at a Jack Eichel level professionally, whether it be sport, uh, hockey or any other sport. So I can understand Buffalo's hesitancy to be like, maybe we shouldn't let him have this surgery because he's probably going to be a fraction of the player that he is and we're paying him $10 million a season. So we need him to be a $10 million a year player, especially considering how tough it's been for them down the stretch. But I I don't know. I, I feel like this new agent coming in I feel like Jack Eichel has made it abundantly clear to him. This is your one mission for me. Get it done. And if he's, if he's, you know, representing the likes of Tavares, Claude Giroux, Sidney Crosby, like this guy knows what to do. He's representing the best players in this sport, the best players in the world at this sport who get paid tens of millions of dollars to do what they do. He he's, I would say he's in pretty safe hands if you ask me. Right. He's, He's pretty much in the hands of the NHL equivalent of Scott Boris, who's like one of the best agents in the entire world for sports. So another news, we got Evander Kane accusing his strange soon-to-be ex-wife of being a husband beater, and has and he has a temporary uh, a temporary order of protection against her. And I was looking for a permanent order of protection. This whole thing's just sad, right? Like, I, am I the only person that's just like, 
I don't want to hear any more about this whole Evander Kane situation because it's just sad for everybody involved. Like, obviously, there's there's the stuff on the ice that happens with him, you know, like his, his uh, I don't know, like the accusation that he was betting on games that, I mean, the NHL's looking into. We haven't heard anything from that yet. So whether they've had their findings released or not, I don't think so, or whether they're still investigating it. But... All of this stuff that happens off the ice, at the beginning, it was kind of like, oh, okay, so we've got a bankruptcy situation here. We a guy that potentially hasn't been confirmed, but potentially has a, an addiction to gambling and all of this stuff. Now it's like getting involved with his, his well, ex-wife or, or oh, former so partner. It's just, it's, it's so sad. Like, I feel sorry for the kids involved. Like, that, that's all I can say on that, you know? Like, it, yeah. it sucks. Like, anybody looking at this that whether you're a hockey fan or not, you read this story and it's like, that just sucks for everybody. I don't care like whose fault it is. I don't care who's in the right, who's in the wrong. Everybody in that situation, it's so bad. You know, It's just a mess of he said, she said, uh, shit first. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so moving on, Jordy Ben has got a new home and that is the Minnesota Wild. Won a one-year deal worth 900K. And what should give the wild a, uh, I don't know, what, what do you call it, death demon or whatever, but whatever how it's classified as? I, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, uh, I didn't, I haven't really heard much about uh, Jordy Ben, but considering the, uh, considering that and he wasn't even signed for a million, I'd, uh, based on past uh, past experience looking at contracts like these, I'd say uh, that like maybe he'd be like depth for uh, the bottom, uh, the bottom pairing, and maybe uh, a seventh defenseman. Absolutely, I think that's the the best way to summarize it. Jordy Ben, I mean, he's making nine hundred k, and that's before taxes in Minnesota. So nine hundred k, you're obviously not a superstar if you're earning nine hundred k in the NHL for a one year contract. It, I think it's quite clear that he's a guy that he was much further down everybody's free agency list. Now, don't get me wrong, Jordy Ben's an incredible hockey player. He's playing in the NHL for a reason. I think everybody forgets that you know these players are the top two 300 players in the entire world like there's a reason these guys are playing here and whether whether you're on like a a 10 year 100 million dollar contract or a one year league minimum contract you're still one of the best players in the world if you make it onto an NHL roster but anyway like Jordy Ben he's i mean depth uh, yeah depth at defense is something that the Minnesota Wild have needed I think they're, they're clearly a team that with uh, Kirill Kaprizov or Kaprizov, however you pronounce it. Um, yeah, actually, I got news on that one. Oh, um, yeah? So the player and the team are closing in on the contract, but nothing's confirmed. They're still going to work out the final stuff. <clears throat> but it has been rumored that the contract will be in the five-year range worth $9 million per year. See, that's what Kaprizov has wanted. See, the as far as I've been aware from like uh, insiders and reports and like stuff mentioned on the Athletic, the Wild have been wanting to offer Kaprizov a seven, eight year contract because obviously they want to lock him up for as long as possible. He's the reigning rookie of the year. Of the year yeah. But mm-hmm. the problem is Kaprizov and Kaprizov's camp haven't wanted that because they know that he's a great hockey player. He's a star in the KHL. He comes over, plays one year in the NHL. He's a star here as well. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Kaprizov made the Minnesota Wild a fun team to watch. 
And that's been something that hasn't happened very much over the last five, 10 years either. Like there's been a decent team, but they haven't necessarily been a fun team. Everybody's kind of forgotten about the Minnesota Wild. You have to sit there and go, oh yeah, the Minnesota Wild are in the NHL and they're an okay team. They've never been a, an incredible team. They've been an okay team, a, a playoff contender, but nothing past the first or second round. You get Kaprizov in and everyone's like, okay, this kid's exciting. I want to watch how this kid plays. And then, and then obviously there's been the rumors about him maybe going back to the KHL on this mega contract that uh, CSK Moscow have for him. Yeah. I'm not sure. And then that came out with, uh, you know, saying he wasn't going to play for them this season and all that. Now this is happening. I, I've got to be completely honest. I was expecting him to sign a contract with the Wild. It's just sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Sometimes the negotiations go on a little bit longer for certain players. It's very clear that the Wild want Kaprizov for a very long time. And obviously they've just jettisoned uh, uh, Parise and Suter's contracts. So they've got a bit of extra space for this season, but they're kind of starting the new era of the Minnesota Wild. And they want Kaprizov front and centre. But the problem is Kaprizov and Kaprizov's agent in his camp have said, we want a five, four or five year contract because then he gets to walk into unrestricted free agency, get his mega contract if he still plays the way that he's playing. And maybe that's with the Wild, maybe that's with somebody else. Like it's a, kind of similar to like the Tavares situation where he moves to Toronto, goes to play for his you know hometown team and makes a big chunk of change at, 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 while doing so. But I, I've yeah, never yeah, been in doubt. can't get past the first round. Exactly. Which, I mean, he couldn't do that with the Islanders when he was with them, and now the Islanders are doing better. So maybe that says something about Tavares. I don't know. Yes, I'm just Tavares speculating. As, <laughs> as a Bruins fan, the Kirill Kaprizov still makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, so with the inside joke here, the Bruins let, me, let me explain it. Fifth rounder for a 2016 fifth rounder, and that 2015 fifth rounder the Bruins traded was Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, it do- it also it also doesn't help that this was in the 2015 draft where we had already uh, spent three first round picks on uh, on who, what, and why. Yes, uh, those were some interesting picks there from the Boston Bruins. I mean, obviously hindsight's 2020, and I mean uh, one of them was DeBrusque. DeBrusque has worked out pretty well. Debrusque's the been, other two, DeBrusque's been decent. Zaboral, oh, I mean, it took him a while to. To do much, but and I mean, last season he wasn't terrible. And then Seneshin, why? Why didn't we draft Matt Barzell or Thomas Shabbat? Once again, hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> so the NHL has their top fifty list, and they started off with the first ten from fifty to forty one. And I'll go over each one, and then you say if it's fair, overrated, or underrated. Okay. So at number 50, we have goaltender Carey Price. Ooh, at 50. At number 50. Oh, that's, that's a good question because regular season Carey Price, I'd put him lower. Playoff Carey Price, I'd put him higher. So I, this is probably a pretty good middle ground for him. You know, I, I'd say that's pretty rated, to be honest. What do you think? Uh, overall, I'd say, mm, yeah, that's pretty... Eh, spot on. I'd I'd probably put Carey Price in like the fifty to forty five range. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. At number forty nine, we got left winner Alex DeBrinket from Chicago. He's a, he's an underrated player uh, in general. Now, whether he deserves to be higher up on this list, I'm not entirely sure. But in terms of the general conversation, he's a pretty underrated player. He didn't have the best season last year, but 
he's a guy that's going to be with Chicago for a long time. And I think he's going to be a solid player for them. So 49, Alex Dabrinkat, I'd say that's pretty rated, but I'd be curious to know how well he does this season to see whether he goes higher up. I mean, he's definitely, I mean, he's definitely, if he's one of the best players on Chicago, he's, he definitely have to be underrated because I mean, what has Chicago done recently? Uh, just read off. Okay. All right. So Tanner's got to take uh, something real quick. Uh, so I will continue. Uh, number 48 is, is Calgary white right winger, Matthew Kachuk. Oh, I think he should be higher. 48 for him. Yeah. I, I I'm definitely asking like, what are they? Anything Kachuk at 48. I guess the only kind of argument you could make is that Calgary haven't really done very much in as a team. But then again, you can't really put that on one single player. I think to right. Chuck, I, I think to Chuck, I'd, I'd probably put him in like the 40 range. But then again, uh, the, the, the problem with these rankings is there's always other players that are just as deserving in those spots as well. So it's really right. difficult to rank them. Right. Now, uh, uh, number 47 is is left winger Max Pacioretty from, from Vegas. Interesting. I'd probably put him lower, actually. I I think that this is a decent uh, spot for him. I'd, uh, high, for, uh, high 40s to 50 is definitely where I'd put him. Okay. Um, I mean, Pacioretty is still a decent uh, forward option, but he's not... Uh, but he's definitely not who he was is like six or seven years ago. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. At number 46, we have uh, defenseman Chris Letang. Ooh, because Chris Letang, he's had a couple of down seasons, but then this most recent season, he jumped up again, if I remember. Like he, he had a bit of a resurgence this year. I Would thought I put- my mic was muted and I still said that and you somehow heard me. Hmm. I don't know, Letang. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a fine ranking for him. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, number 45, we have center Nicholas Backstrom. Oh, he's a great player. Like, N- Nicholas Backstrom, he's one of those guys that he'll never get a fair shake because he's been with Ovi his entire career. But as a player in and of himself, Nicholas Backstrom's an incredible player, regardless of whether Ovi's been in the picture or not. So I think that's a pretty fair ranking for him. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, number 44 is Shea Theodore, defenseman from Vegas. That's, a, that's an underrated guy. I feel like it, Shea, you put the name Shea Theodore there and everyone's like, either who or really? But no, he's a pretty solid defenseman. He doesn't necessarily put up the points that some of the other guys do, especially like a Latang or something. But he's, a, I mean, Vegas has had success for a reason. And I would argue he's a pretty big reason of that on the back end. So yeah, it's a pretty good place for, to put him. Number 43, we have the freshman Seth Jones of Chicago. I mean, I, I've got to see how he plays in Chicago. It's a, it's a new scenery for him this year. I mean, will he still be the same solid player, 20 minutes a night, 25 minutes a night kind of player? Or is he the kind of guy that will it take an adjustment? And that's a fair thing to assume that, you know, a player that spent his entire career, which has been like a good five, six years in Columbus, he's going to an original six team now and there's going to be a lot more expectations on him, I think. So he's going to be playing with some pretty solid players in Taze and Kane, obviously, and Debrinkat. But will he be able to keep it up this season or will he 
need some adjustment, I guess, after finding out. I, the players joining new teams, I always have a big question mark next to them because you can never tell because it's, it's such a big change in their situation. It's just a new thing. Yeah. How they're going to mesh with the new locker room and everything. Exactly. Uh, for number two, we have right winger Jake Gunsel for Pittsburgh. He's an underrated guy as well. Ever since he's been in the league, he's been a solid player. Like, I'd definitely put him in the top 50. I, I don't know where I'd exactly put a lot of these guys because, like I was saying to Jocelyn a minute ago, you know, like you might say, oh, this person's underrated and deserves to go higher. But then when you actually get to that spot, you go, actually, no, the person that's in that spot is well deserving of that spot as well. So, right. uh, Jake Gensel is a guy that, you know, he. He's played with Crosby, obviously. He's played without Crosby, and he's almost a point-per-game player throughout his career, which, you know, as a guy that didn't come in as a, a first overall draft pick, a generational player, that's a difficult thing to do. But he's he's just gelled with the Penguins lineup so perfectly ever since he came in. He's got a couple of cups to show for it. Yeah. And at number 41, we have center John Tavares. He's still a solid player, regardless of him not making it out of the first round or playing with Matthews or Mana and all this stuff. Like he, I mean, he's a couple of seasons removed from a 40 goal season. Like if he was a bad hockey player, he wouldn't be doing that. And he's had injury problems here and there. Like obviously the injury that he had during the playoffs was pretty nasty. Um, yeah, so I, cool. I guess we'll have to see how he plays when he comes back from that. Yeah. Um, Jocelyn, you want to do uh, the break now and come back to it? Cause we got to because of the time. Uh, I mean, we could probably uh, just get through uh, this last bit. Uh, pretty quickly. Uh, so defenseman Connor Murphy signing an extension with Chicago on a four-year deal for 17.6 million total. Another guy that he doesn't necessarily put up the most points as a defenseman, but his attributes both defensively and in the two-way game make him a very valuable commodity, you know, so a pretty well deserving. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, we also have the Leeson Sabre are apparently rumored to be the uh, the participants in the 2022 Heritage Classic, uh, which is going to take place uh, at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton in Ontario, uh, with the Sabres being the home team. Let's just hope the Sabres can actually put a competent team together for the game. That'd be nice. <laughs> Honestly, one of, the, one of the most interesting question marks I... Uh, I think the Sabres have right now is Casey Middlestad. What what the hell are they going to do with him? Good question. I mean, I mean the coaching change, uh, like there were a couple of players that did really well with the coaching change. Uh, Middlestad being one of them, Rasmus Darlene being one of them as well. So hopefully the coaching mm -hmm. change and, you know, a full season under then, uh, it's Granato, isn't it, that's in charge of the uh, Sabres yeah. now? I, I think so. I think but so. Regardless, I, I think they're going to be a... Uh, Hopefully, some of those guys will finally reach their potential. Yep. And then finally, the Canadians women hockey team takes home the gold and a 3-2 win over USA. And this is the one time I can look at my friend across the room, dead in the face, and I can say, Canada, kick your ass. Because God knows you won't be saying that in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think that's gonna wrap it up for the hockey portion. On McRush, thank you for coming on. It was a huge honor, and I hope we get to work on videos together, you and I. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, coming out. Uh, thanks so, for. If you want to plug anything, 
floor is yours. What's that, sorry? So if you want to plug anything, the floor is yours. Oh, just uh, I've got some vlogs going up. I've got one going up in a couple of hours uh, as we're recording this uh, to do with the Hockey Hall of Fame. I've been, you know, getting some ideas down, finally back to the old grind of YouTube. So got some pretty fun ideas, I think, that are pretty good video ideas and check them out. I'd really appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Nice. Raj. Thank you for coming on the show and we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having Thanks for coming on. on. So, well, we're going to be taking a short break, and when we come back, we'll be taking care of the uh, football, the, basketball, and then baseball, and whatever miscellaneous stuff we have uh, involving a certain in Jake Paul fellow that uh, Tanner uh, will not ever stop uh, hating with the, the burning passion of a thousand fiery suns. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think this is gonna, gonna be it for this section of the recording. Well, it turns out we've been in the same room all along. We apologize for uh, the uh, the excessive uh, echoing thing that many of you probably heard. But uh, yeah. So now it's time to jump into the gridiron, and we have plenty of news. But I think we should talk about the Pats one first. Uh, yeah, one of the biggest pieces of news that, uh, that was circulating in pretty much all across, uh, pretty much across campus. The other, uh, and, and that news is the release of the Virgin. <laughs> the only way he can score off the field is if he scores on the field. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That's his name. Yeah, I know that there is a, uh, yeah, there's a football player called Haha Clinton Dix. You think that uh, uh you think that uh, someone named D Virgin isn't gonna uh, <laughs> eventually make it into the uh, league? But uh, yeah. Uh, but but also this this also weird thing happened of Cam Newton getting released and Mac Jones being the starting QB. Uh yeah. The uh the biggest news across campus that isn't the fact that Kanye finally dropped the album. Uh. <laughs> uh by the way, if anybody wants to know my opinions on the album, it's a, uh, it's at the very least a, a seven out of ten. Wow. Anyway, uh, uh, we're yeah. not getting too political here. What kind of pot? Remember he ran for president? Yeah, I know that he ran for president, but uh, it was more of a, uh, it's more of a gospel rap album. But yeah, but anyway, anyway yes, <laughs> Patriots released Cam uh, Cam Newton. And, and Mac Jones is starting at is going to be starting at QB. And they also released Brian Hoyer, but I think they're Wait, going to they be did? Able, yeah, they did. They released Hoyer, but I think they're going to get him back after they do what they're maneuvering with the rosters. I was about to say they. I was about to say releasing releasing someone like Hoyer would probably mean that they're probably going to be signing him to the practice squad. I mean, because here's the thing about Belichick: he loves his, He loves. Was bringing in, in uh, members uh, of his old guard. Yeah, and and, and Hoyer, for as mediocre of a quarterback as he is, he knows the playbook. Yeah, he's he's been here on three separate occasions, and uh, so he's had time to um, to learn the playbook uh, and master it. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is also uh, like I forget when was the 
I forget when the last time um, this actually happened, but uh, this is going to be the first. Uh, the AFC East is now going to be the. Uh, I saw it was on 1973. Yes, the AFC East is going to be the first uh, entire uh, division of uh, the NFL to have uh, since 1973 to have every single starting co- quarterback under the age of 25. Yeah. And the last one happened actually since 1973. That was the AFC Central. That's like, not like divisions were so kind of fucky. Well, I mean, because there weren't 32 uh, right, teams because there was less. Yep. But another news. Um, so we got some news about the Saints, and that pertains to Hurricane Ida, which made landfall on Sunday afternoon as a category four with winds up to 150 miles per hour. Um, New Orleans is pretty much without power. And if you can believe this one, Joss, um, the entire uh, community of Grand Isle, Louisiana, was been deemed uninhabitable. I honestly, I I can perfectly, I can very much believe that. That uh, I mean, the same sort of thing happened in like 15 years ago with with Katrina. Uh, so having a storm as strong as Ida. Uh, just rip right through that uh, area that is uh, that's like ink at or er, even below sea level is uh, like that's uh, when you get a big storm like that that's not a it's just that's not just a possibility that's bordering on an, an inevitability yeah and because of that the saints Cardinals preseason game was postponed, and the whole opener for the Saints will now take place in Jacksonville. Even Jacksonville, even the Jaguars can't call their own um, own place home. I mean, I know um, Jerry offered Dallas uh, AT&T Stadium to the uh, to the Saints, but there was some scheduling conflict of a concert that night on the night of the uh, Saints of the uh, Saints opener. I eh, I guess that's fair, and also, uh, I mean, I completely expected that from Jerry. Hmm. But uh, we do also have a few, uh, co- eh, we do also have a, a few COVID eh, placements, and that eh, that uh, eh, I was actually what was it? I was actually you know, watching. Eh, I actually got a, a good glimpse of like the. Eh, what Bill was saying in an interview as I was passing through the RLC in this morning, and and he was talking about how uh, how like Cam has dealt with COVID in the past and and stuff like that, but he is still insisting that the the fact that Cam even after missing time last year because he had to deal with COVID. The fact that Kim didn't get is still not getting vaccinated is Bill is still insisting that that is not a fact. Actor, but uh, anyway, what other QBs that are that are actually getting COVID? These are some pretty big ones: Ryan Tannehill and Carson Wentz. Yeah, and that's a blow to the Titans with uh, Tannehill. He's been like a big piece of that team's revitalization over the past couple of years. Yep, absolutely. And, and now to see him on the COVID list, Jesus Christ. And with uh, uh 
I don't even know who like their backup is because it is, I mean the oh, wait oh I uh, I think oh that's a good question because I, I mean know. the tight the the Titans released Mariota uh, after Tannehill came in. Uh, it would be Wo- Logan Woodside. Logan Woodside. Huh. Him and Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> I remember Deshaun Kaiser. Oh, I, in 16. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> he definitely came into the league way too cocky saying that I'm going to be the best player this league has ever seen. And, and then and what happened? What happens as a result of that and cockiness? He gets drafted to the and Browns that proceed to go 0-16. And so, you want to take that cockiness back now to shine? Yeah, but uh, uh but uh, in terms of QBs that are playing, Jameis, famous Jameis, Jameis Winston. That's, uh, yeah, we're taking, uh, we're opening the bakery back up, uh, but it's moved, uh, but it's moved locations from. Um, Tampa to New Orleans, uh, to to New Orleans, and honestly, uh, I'm very happy that they gave the you know, the starting job yeah. to Jameis. And this and one not- just came in as well about the Saints as well. So the conditioning, strength and conditioning, as well as the practices, will be held in at a TCU in Fort Worth, but the game will and they'll be playing their games in Jacksonville. Huh. Yeah, that that's kind of a fucky situation. You go to one city in another in one state to do practice and strength conditioning. You go to another state to play football. It sounds very much like what the uh, that sounds it's kind of like the uh, was it the Orlando Apollos of the AAF? Yeah, yeah, that sounds all right. But uh, we do also have uh, a few injuries to talk about. Yeah, first uh, one being J.K. Dobbins. Um, I am so sorry to anyone who had their. Uh, fantasy draft uh, before uh, before this week and drafted uh, Dobbins because is in uh, on just his ninth snap of uh, on just his ninth carry of the uh, of the uh, of the preseason and, and he uh, he ended up tearing his ACL and will be out for all season. Harbaugh has been in, in trying to justify it uh, a lot and. Uh, and I can justify it pretty easily. Uh, uh, what are you gonna? Uh, are you just gonna make your uh, your starters come up? Uh, uh, just go into the uh, into the regular season cold off the couch without giving them any sort of game um, reps beforehand. And like, sure, it doesn't. Uh, like, yes, this doesn't matter. Uh, these preseason games don't uh, don't uh, particularly uh, matter all too much. And in the long run, other than just to give uh, uh, everyone in a good look of what your depth looks like, Eek. but uh, but like uh, in using, uh, you have to at least play the uh, play your stars for uh, uh, for a few times just to give them um, some sort of uh, some sort of a uh, just to give them. Um, some sort of uh, game reps before uh, before you go into the real uh, deal. Yeah. And uh, uh, but in terms of off-field in- injuries, of uh, uh, the Vikings tight end and Irv Smith Jr., uh, who was the heir apparent to Kyle Rudolph uh, up there, uh, uh, he wait, is. Wait, uh, oh, did Rudolph go elsewhere? 
Yeah, Rudolph. Oh, went to the Giants, right? Yeah, Rudolph went to the Giants, and, oh, but uh, Ersmith Jr. is going is undergoing surgery to repair his meniscus, and, he's like, and the rehab time um, being about four to five months means that he will be out for the he will likely be out for the whole season. Um, let me Google this real quick because I know that the uh, Vikings just traded for a tight end. Uh, yesterday. It was, yeah, right here. It was uh, tight end Chris Herndon from the Jets. The Vikings got him for, I believe it was like a pick. I'm only looking at it. It was a 2022 fourth rounder in exchange for a sixth round. So basically, the Vikings are sending a fourth rounder. No, the. No, right here. Oh, uh, Vikings are sending a fourth rounder 2022 to the Jets and for Herndon and a sixth. Honestly, I feel like Herndon and is. Uh, is probably one of the uh, is probably uh, victim by uh, victim by draft uh, big well, yeah victim by draft uh, if, if uh, the dude is honestly a decent uh, tight end and like he's not he's not fucking tony gonzalez but he's uh, but he's still one of the uh a not but he's still a pretty solid tight end and option and and just to be drafted in, in the uh, to the fucking clown show that is the Jets, it's it was it was inevitability that he was just going to be uh, not great. But uh, but also speaking of the uh, speaking of the uh, Vikings, they uh, resigned actually one of the best, uh, one of the better pieces of their. Defense, their safety, Harrison Smith, getting four years and $64 million with $26.38 million guaranteed. Now, that's insane, though. Like, because of, of his caliber talent, that's really fucking good for them. And they need it. He, he, uh, that is great for his caliber talent. The only question is, he's 32. Will he continue this sort of production? In, into his mid to late thirties. That I guess time will tell about one. Time is gonna. I mean, time tells with every single contract. The uh, the Jeff Skinner contract in Buffalo looked uh, looked like a slam dunk at first, and then and I know what that one. And now he's a freaking anchor. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I know. But um, yeah. But another news. Uh, let's talk about the Shaq Lawson trade. So is the Jets getting defensive end Shaq Lawson from the Texans for a six rounder? I f- uh, Shaq Lawson. I mean he he's good, but he's but he's not like he can't anchor a lot. He can't anchor a D line like he was supposed to uh, to coming out of the uh, coming in into the twenty sixteen draft. Like, like, oh, I gotta interrupt you. I'm sorry. This is uh breaking. This is out of hockey. The Blackhawks have resolved the lawsuit over the alleged use of facial recognition software. So apparently, the Blackhawks were caught cheating, and I guess they got sued for it, and they have come to a compromise. But da 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 da. This. It, this franchise is horrible. Yeah, I mean, I gotta figure out the other one too. Yep, we're not gonna talk about that. But I just want to get the, the rest of the hockey signings out of the way because I know we just got these. We forgot to mention them. Yeah, that's right. We forgot to mention a bunch of 
Yeah, so we'll just do the aisles made. Well, so we'll start here. Ilya Sorokin, uh, he signed three years, 12 mil, four mil per year. And I think it was like a pretty good contract for him. Like you heard on Man Rush. For Sorokin, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's a pretty good freaking bargain for him. He's been really good. He showed it. The second one is Anthony Beauvillier. He signed for three more years worth $4.15 million per year. I feel like that's a little bit of an overpayment for Beauvillier. He's, but the thing is, he's been getting better. He's been getting better, but I'd still uh, but I'd still knock it down to like yeah, like think, under four under four million. I would say a fair contract, like a fair salary would be 3.75. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Yeah. The third contract on the aisles. Uh Kyle Palmieri, four years, twenty million dollars at five mil per year. That might be just a little bit too much. <laughs> really? I mean he's no you he, want you want he's a good he's a good player, but not uh, but not freaking oh that's mm. that one worse. Casey Sazikis. Six years, two point five per for a total of fifteen mil. Happy Tanev contract, and I believe the Kraken had offered him five mil per year to go over to Seattle. Holy shit! And speaking of the Kraken, this one just coming in: Riley Shahan going to the Kraken on a one-year deal worth eight hundred fifty k. So he's finally free from Buffalo. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Mister. Puck report for uh, for your continued uh, unintentional uh, for your continued support of this uh, of this freaking broadcast. Anyway, all right. So let's go back to football. Finally, yes. Uh, the Dolphins all release is is the the veteran linebacker Benardrick McKinney, and and for the life of me, I've been wondering: is there an R? Uh, how many R's are there in this, in this name? Turns out there are only two. <laughs> and neither of them are on the Dolphins anymore. <laughs> but yes. uh, but McKinney's, McKinney, I feel, is, uh, is sort of like Shaq Lawson. He's, uh, he's, a, good, he's a good player, but he's not going to anchor a line. Oh, no. So let's talk about the NFL Top 100. The top 10 has been revealed, and we will decide whether it's underrated or overrated or just perfect. So, uh, for the number 10 on the list, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. I'd say uh, I'd say that's perfectly rated. Yeah. I feel uh, Josh Allen definitely deserves to be in the top 10, and I don't know if I'd put him any higher than, like, seven. I mean, I, I freaking love Josh Allen, yeah. um, and I think he's – uh, I think that he has the potential to possibly uh, be one of the uh, best in the league. Uh, yeah. And as good as, if not better than Mahomes. Oh, that's a little bit of a shot. That's a bit of a shot. At number nine, we got offensive linebacker TJ Watt of the Pittsburgh Yenzers, I mean Steelers. Offensive? That the O stands for outside. outside. I'm stupid. I barely got sleep last night. Look at last week because I was going to Philly. This week I was going to college. For TJ Watt uh, to be put at nine, I feel like that's. Uh, I feel like a little steep. Uh, no, I feel like that's uh, it's okay. Uh, that's an okay placement for him. Um, um, I do feel like. 
Uh, another player down the line is definitely a bit uh, overrated on this list. Yeah. Uh, number eight is, is, is Cards wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's all right. Could be yeah. a little, could be a little more down the car, maybe like around eleven or twelve, but that's not overly bad for what it yeah, is. Yeah, I, yeah, I would probably, I, I'd put D Hop, uh, at like, uh, at somewhere between twelve and eight, and yeah, somewhere in between that. Yeah, and number seven, we have the Super Bowl champion, well, seven-time Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady. Honestly, I think this might be a little bit of a uh, steep placement for him. Well, in terms of like, like. How high it is or how low it is? How high it is. I feel like, eh, I feel like with Brady, I, eh, I mean, he was good last year, but I would still put him in, in like eh, the, eh, anywhere from like fifteen to eleven. Wow, Brady. Eh, I mean, Brady's fantastic, eh, but, eh, but I mean, in considering everything last year, eh, between how how lost he looked against the Saints defense until the uh, until the playoffs uh, to that freaking gaff uh, where he thought it was his third down that's going to follow him for the rest uh, for uh, the remaining 275 uh, trillion years uh, in his career uh. yeah uh, number six we have wide receiver Devontae Adams of the Packers I feel uh, I feel like uh, Devontae could have been and put down to like eh, 10 to 8. Eh, I don't know. I feel, eh, I guess I'm just not eh, very high on eh, Devontae Adam. Um, but uh, number five is, is tight end Travis Kelsey eh, from the Chiefs. That's not bad because he is one of the top, the top tight ends in the league. So give the man due diligence on that one, I guess. Yep, that do. Uh, yep, I. Uh, I think that he definitely deserved that uh, placement. I mean, in I forget where Darren Waller ended up uh, on this list, but I. Uh, I think he was like lower on the card somewhere. I don't know exactly. I know that he was. He was definitely on the list, but yeah, uh, but where exactly? I don't remember at all. Yeah, uh, but I feel. Uh, I feel like uh, Waller definitely. He at least gave Kelsey a bit of a run for his money on uh, for uh, the tight uh, for best tight end in the league last year. Yeah. Uh, at number four, we have Derrick Henry. Should be placed higher. Yeah, absolutely. He's been, I think, like top two. Yeah. Gotta absolutely. Absolutely. Number three, we have Aaron Rodgers. I, that one you could take it or leave it because, like, because with Rodgers, in that case, like, undoubtedly, he's probably one of the best QBs in Green Bay history, if not the best. But after this I mean, season, like, well, then again, he did go, he did help the progress of 13 and 3 into the, to the NFC Championship game. Where he's, uh, where he's only ever been able to win one in NFC champion for like, what, the game. past five years? Of uh, well, the past 10 years, no, because he won two at Super Bowl 46. Uh, yeah, he. Yeah, I mean, he. Uh, no, he. He has only ever been able to win one in NFC Championship game. He's one and four in the. Uh, at that stage. Yeah. But of number two defensive end Aaron Donald. This is this is where the uh the debate between T.J. Watt and 
and Aaron, and Aaron Donald um, comes in for me because yeah, because uh, I could Aaron Donald no by far is a bigger dude. He's uh, he's absolutely uh, like the best interior lineman in this league. Pop probably has uh, has seen since like I think Alan Page or something like that. Uh, but uh, uh, but I don't know. I feel uh, I just feel like with ev- uh, with how everything was going, uh, with how uh, TJ Watt led uh, the league in every single defensive metric, other than I think it was tackles for loss, uh, uh, and that ended up going to uh, to uh, uh, to Do- uh, and that ended up going to Donald. And I feel like I don't know. I feel like. Uh, I feel like we could uh, rearrange uh, Watt and Donald on this. Yeah. But uh, number one. Not surprisingly, uh, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised by that, and I'm not really going to fight it. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't. So that would do for the NFL Top 10. Um, this one I think is a little sad to read. Um, 49ers linebacker coach Jimmy Johnny Holland will step away from the organization due to cancer recurrence. Please, for the love of God, can't be, like, uh, be like Ron Rivera and, and James Conner and, and kick the shit out of cancer. Please, for the love of fucking God. Please. And back to the same thing with Ida. Uh, their owner, Gail Benson, is donating $1 million to the Gulf Coast Renewal Fund to help those affected by the by the storm. I mean, you kind of got it. I mean, and shit happened in their own backyard. No, not only in their backyard, they're, all, they're inside the fucking inside the house. Yeah. Uh, uh, I wonder if uh, I wonder if, if ne- I wonder if the next next home actual home game played in in New Orleans, we're gonna get uh, something as memorable as. Uh, as what happened in like 2005 in 2005 with it's Steve Gleason blocking uh, with uh, Steve Gleason making that post Katrina block punt. Well, uh, the only way to find out, we'll find out in a few weeks. Yep. Um, this one, this trade confused the hell out of me. Like the Giants are getting guard Billy Price from the Bengals for defensive lineman BJ Hill. Who for what? Billy Price is one of the better centers for the Bengals. Oh, one one of the better guards, I should say. Actually, yeah, I think I think I remember like he was a first rounder. Yeah, the Bengals took him in the first round of twenty of twenty eighteen. But uh, yeah, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) I don't even think the Bengals know what the Bengals are doing. How's that? I mean, considering they drafted, I mean, considering they drafted Jamar Chase, I. Uh, I definitely agree with that. Well, the thing is, with that one, you get you get Joe a weapon. You give Joe a weapon, but now you take away his fucking all line protection. I was like, are you trying to get his fucking leg broken again? Then are possibly getting him killed. I mean, bringing Riley Reef and uh, bringing Riley Reef and and drafting O line in the second round um, helps, but I don't uh, I don't think that's going to be able uh, be enough to. Uh, no. save him but uh we also have uh, a few uh, just go back to injuries for a quick second we also have uh, two other big names 
and get it, getting injured. Uh, Stefan Gilmore is going to be out on, at the very least the next uh, the six. first six weeks of the uh, season with a, a quad strain. No, so what this was was Gilmore is recovering from the quad injury that ended his season last season. Ah, yeah. So this is him. They basically being put on the physically unable to perform list. Yep. Meaning that yeah, he will miss the first six weeks while recovering from that quad thing. And, and the same the thing same- about Batsiari, because with him, the ACL, that was a thing where I think that ended his campaign last season. They put him on the pop list. And thus, basically, the fact that he's still under after the four o'clock cutoff yesterday at the time of recording, um, that basically concludes that they'll be out for at least six weeks. I mean, eh. Uh, but you know who uh, survived the 4 p.m. Um, cutoff yesterday? Deshaun Watson. Somehow. Yes, on the... Uh, but the thing, like, here's my thing, though. How the fuck is that, has he not been suspended yet? I honestly do not know. Like, what the fuck? Hey, Raja, you want to fix this shit? Yeah, he's not going to fix it. He's not going to fix it. You know he's not. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, but... Like, I mean, think back to, to all your instances. We had and freaking and Ray Rice, who beat his girl and started this whole. Oh, oh boy. The Titans just shit. released quarterback Matt Barkley. <laughs> uh, USC quarterbacks haven't really panned out since, yeah, since Carson uh, Palmer. Meaning Woodside has won the backup job. Nice. But, uh, what is it? Uh, okay, this is nice. This was like Chris Packers 69 man roster, including 16 player practice squad. They really want to. They really want to pay homage to to David Bakhtiari. Yeah, dude's mm. a fucking legend. Like even if he's not a legend on the on the field. Oh, he is. He's, oh, he is. He's, he's one of the best left tackles in the league, oh, and absolutely. he can chug beer faster than I can say. And he can chug beer faster than I can say the sentence. Anyway, oh no, that one, no, that was great. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, uh, yesterday was 53 man cutoff day, uh, and we have a few uh, pretty interesting um, cuts. The uh, uh the lines of uh, Brashad Perriman, who we now know is signing with the Chicago Bears on a one year deal. The Bears, I mean, Brashad Perriman, and he's he's a he's at the very least a East, a, a, a fourth wide receiver. He's at the very most a fourth wide receiver. He's yeah. He's okay, but he's he's not great. Right. Uh, we as also as well as Gucci Ben Denucci getting released. Yes, the uh the Gucci Denucci era of uh of the Cowboys is is done. And and also. Going back to the Lions real quick, we have one of the funniest things I've seen in happen. The Lions acquired Zane Gonzalez and Randy Bullock in the offseason. And and on 53-man cutoff day, they decided to release Gonzalez and Fat Randy, which leaves them with a total number of kickers of zero. For some <laughs> reason, the Lions do not have a single kicker on their roster which watch them fucking sell up the quarterback the punt i mean 
in what no, was no, that, George? No, they have a punter. Like, am I gonna like send a quarterback up to kick a field goal? What's and be eh, what and turn Goff into the next George Blanda so we can or eh. or I thought that QB from Bishop Sycamore. We'll, oh. talk, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a little bit. That one's an interesting saga that needs a long explanation. Cut down. Yep. And but uh, uh yeah the uh, uh I don't know uh, I don't know the uh, uh the Jaguars in their uh, the Jaguars in their uh in their. Cut off at least wide receiver Phil Borset, an offensive lineman Jermaine in Illuminor, and two others that apparently were not named in this doc. Like I don't know if no, they weren't. They, they were just weren't names. named. No, they no, they weren't named. Like they were just no, oh. no, one, no one names that we didn't know. But of uh, one of the uh, another. Uh, really shocking uh, development uh, was uh, yesterday the Cardinals placed East Malcolm Butler on the reserve slash retired list. Yeah. All convenient that he goes to the team and which the stadium was where the Super Bowl miracle happened and now he may be retiring with the team that is in the stadium where that happened. Yep. Uh, yeah, because I mean, if that ain't a clusterfuck sentence in itself. I I don't know. I don't think that uh, as fantastic as much as I love, uh, as much as I love uh, Malcolm Butler, I have a feeling that uh, the fact that he didn't uh, that throughout his entire career he only made uh, one Pro Bowl and in one All Pro team as second uh, as second team um, and uh, was dying uh, after that he was. Uh, he was good for he was good for a few uh, seasons. I mean, he was definitely one of our uh, better cornerbacks, and it's still uh, and it's still a giant mystery as to why uh, Bill sat him for uh, for the uh, uh, for Super Bowl Fifty Two. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, um, the Cowboys were possibly teasing signing Cam Newton because they said that the Cowboys will be doing their due diligence on Newton. But I don't know. That could mean anything. Maybe. Take it with a grain of salt for what it is right now. I mean, uh, I mean, they better do better uh, due diligence than freaking ESPN did this past week with their uh, with their coverage of uh, of one of the best high school football teams in, uh, oh. in the do really in nation's now? Bishop do you re- Sycamore. You really want to do this now because we have to do that it. That one's right. gonna be that one's gonna take the longest part of this script. I'm serious, because this one is a fucking saga. All right, fine. Let's do the other. So let's talk about this one. Uh, I already said the Saints one. The Bears have released cornerback uh, Desmond Trufin. Uh, Interesting enough, he left Chicago on the 13th of August to be with his father, who passed, uh, unfortunately, two days later. Rest in peace. Yeah. The thing is, he was with the Bears for a while, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, he was. He was with the Bears for uh, quite a while. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why the hell you cut him when, when he's like grieving the loss of his father. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the Texans possibly cutting wide receiver Anthony Miller. I don't know if they officially cut him. I, I 
something on it if you want to look that up quickly. Because I I thought I heard something on that, but I'm not, you know, 100%. Um, and while Johnson's doing that, the Giants are a little bit of controversy. Great. This one being you know, head coach Urban Meyer being investigated by the NFLPA so after, he did not- after stating that he took vaccination status into consideration during the final cuts. This is undoubtedly the worst fucking thing and the funniest thing I think that could have ever happened. Allow me to take you back to the beginning, my fellow viewers. So we, so Bishop Sycamore, based out of Ohio. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, I was, just, I was just about to get started. You know what? I'm gonna read the f- the fucking bread of from Tree because I think he words it the best. Thank you, Tree. Oh my god, I'm telling you, this is a long fucking thing. So I'll read one tweet you were reading and I will change back for. So this is the first thing of that long trend. The Bishop Sycamore High School story is hilarious. And by the way, high school is in quotation marks. Get fucking destroyed by IMG. ESPN and their agencies did no research on Bishop Sycamore whatsoever. The school went 0-6 last year, scored 42 and gave up 227. They had played a game two days before their ESPN game, which was also a loss. But wait, it gets better. ESPN couldn't mm, verify who any other players were in their scouting databases, and most of the players were Juco dropouts uh, that were 19 and or over. At least one of the players on the team was using a fake ID and lied about his, his recruiting. And and also what's hilarious is that their address is just a residential house. More, because there's always more. But wait, there's more. Their head coach had an active warrant for his arrest Bishop Sycamore High School does not exist. It has no record of existing in the Ohio and the OHSAA's history. But based out of a Texas League, TCAL, BS is still scheduled to play Duncanville on September 10th. And then you just read that to me and you just read what he said after that. All right. So, no, just read. Don't, just, no, oh, don't, don't worry about it. Whatever, I'll fix it after. Just read this one and then just read really fucking well. All right. Imagine, imagine that Bishop Sycamore didn't give the TV guys an accurate or complete roster. The roster they were given when they played in Archbishop Hoban uh, uh, and looked like <laughs> it's slowly like a list of fucking nobodies. Like, holy fuck. I mean, it's high school, they're all nobodies. And then just literally fucking lol. Yep. And then I'll read the next one. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, the Baja Blast got to me. This was a game where they got fucking smacked early in the year, 58-0 against Archbishop Hoban. I want you to note the differences between them. Preparation, discipline, talent, size, uniform quality, everything. Bishop Sycamore just looks like a pickup team. Uh, They also had a GoFundMe to help fund in the in their football program earlier in the uh, year uh, because of course an elite school needs a GoFundMe. They set the goal at uh, two hundred 
$20,000 and they made $140. This is Bishop Sycamore's website. It's a fucking blog spot page. They must have spent more money on the web domain than they did the website itself, which I'll link here at bishopsycamore.org. The funny thing about this is... Mm, well, we're going to skip over some of these. We're going to... Look, at the reason we're skipping over some of these, I will make a video on my YouTube channel with the whole thing. We're not fucking reading all of it. This is to shorten everything. Bishop Sycamore lied to ESPN about everything. Their oh, yeah. players also, have lied about something. Oh, yeah. Also, the uh, the Bishop Sycamore uh, website, uh, website doesn't exist any. No, because I got white. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, Tree managed to arch- archive it. So, yeah. once again, thanks, Tree. Oh, my Lord. You, you know that it's going to get fucked to hell and back. Yep. And Roy Johnson, the coach of this program, was fired. And, I and wonder that's the guy, why. And that's the guy with the warrant for his arrest. I wonder why. Okay, I will make a video of this on my channel soon. But the full thread, I will read the whole thread. I don't care how long it takes. So if you want to see me suffer with reading that, tune in. Possibly this weekend or next week. I don't know when I'll make it. I'll probably find the time. But anyway, let's... We're going to wrap it up and go to basketball because we have some stuff to talk about there. I mean, not uh, Not not too much, but... but... So what's going on with Rajon Rondo? I miss Rajon Rondo. The guy was bought out by Memphis... And has decided to go to the Lakers on a one-year deal worth two point six. Because when you, uh, I miss when he was on the Celtics. I mean, I know. I mean back in like that two thousand eight uh, run, he was, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't like this, uh, a great player, but he was, uh, was consistent and he was, uh, and he was just fun to, uh, to watch. But uh, yeah, and now we have a three-way deal. Yeah, these are kind of they're not as rare anymore because they've been having them like you know more frequently. Yep. So I mean they're only just, they're only really rare in like uh, the NHL and uh, and NFL. Yeah. So the Cavaliers, Bulls, and Trailblazers all can come to the trade. This is how it went. The Cavaliers got forward Laurie Markinen, who then signed with the Cavaliers to a four-year deal worth sixty-seven million dollars. That's a lot of money. Yep. The Chicago Bulls, they got for Derek Jones, a lottery-protected first-round pick from Portland, and a future second-round pick from Cleveland. Well, I am not sure when that one is. And the Trailblazers got for Larry Nance Jr. Uh, mm, I don't know. It's uh, honestly, it's like a, they're, they're, I don't know what they call my trade. Honestly, this is a bunch of names that I don't know. Marketing's been on a rise. Well, like a gradual rise. I feel like Larry I, Nance. I was about to say, I feel like I've heard marketing before. Yeah, marketing, yeah. Joyce Randall um, signing with the New York Knicks on an extension, but the, I don't have the details on that unless you do. Oh, wait, that's from two that's from, from 2018. Had ass. Uh just look up extension. Yeah, there you go. Extension. So that would be four years, one hundred seventeen million dollars. If fucking excuse me, what? Also, that was back in August. But that was yeah, back in August. No, 5th. but they, they they just made it official. So, uh, they were so just, I mean, they were just making it official now. 
we never reported on it at that point, right? I I feel like we might have. I don't the, know. Because uh, like we didn't. Oh have... wait, no, no. That uh, apparently you know, all these headlines came out like the day after we did the episode with uh, the trade. Yeah. So so um, the NBA announces their vaccine mandates for all referees because of course. Good. Um, this these two are gonna shock the shit out of you. We'll start with the first one. The 76ers star Ben Simmons has told members of the 76ers office that he no longer wants to be on the team and will no longer and will not, not no longer, will not report to training camp. I thought this was supposed to shock me. What, Ben Simmons? Yes, the dude, uh, the dude can't make a jump shot to save his life. He, he posted the worst free throw percentage in, in, in playoff history. The dude... Dude is a brick magnet and he sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this one, because this one's a little close to home. The Cavaliers starting tall boy taco fall to a one-year non-guaranteed deal. I miss taco now. <laughs> I mean, ta- that dude is tall. I know the fucking guy is like freakishly tall. It's it's amazing. But we're going to flip it over to the diamond. We're going to flip it over to the diamond with uh, with our players of the week. Just to get started. Yeah, and I have two this week. Oh. So I'll start with number one. And this one was Bryce Harper for making me lose my fucking voice because of a two-run home run. We're going to get into that later. Yep. And the second one is a little closer to my home, my heart. Jose Berrios of 11 strikeouts and a win over Detroit. That's a lot of strike inkouts. What's it called? We were had 10 in that game I went to. Well, again, we'll get to that later. All right. And uh, mine is is Boston Red Sox pitcher Chris Sale. For not only being like the only reliable member of this starting rotation, but also for, for, for cementing himself in MLB history more than he already has. Is in is in a win over Minnesota on uh, on Thursday. You see, in that in that game, Chris Sale all pitched what's known as a, what's known as an immaculate inning. Three uh, three strike three strikeouts on nine pitches is all of them in strikes. But uh, Chris Sale with that immaculate inning became one of only two pitchers in. In the entire history of the MLB, the only other is Sandy freaking Koufax to to have completed three immaculate innings in his his career. Yeah, absolutely. That's very respectful in his own right, and and good on him. Good fucking on him on that one. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I guess my I guess my honorary member of the uh. Uh, of player of the week is Byron Buxton because holy shit he's finally back guys he's after uh, after a hamstring strain that kept him out for a while uh, coming back for three games and then immediately getting his hand broken because uh, for some reason in pitchers uh, pitchers can't stop aiming at uh, aiming at hands yeah and Ronald Acuna knows a lot about that and another news George Springer is back all the way. He's injured again. I mean, he's day to day. I don't know. Still oh. an injury. He, yeah, Fucking he's still. Guys made a glass. I swear. 
I mean, are you really going to complain? He's like the uh, well, not like, like the fact that he keeps getting injured. You have that's like Vlad time. and you have Marcus Semyon and Bobichet. Ah, uh, what's it called? Uh, Robbie Ray. We have fucking Hyunjin Ryu. You have Jose Barrios. We get it. The uh, we get it. The of uh, the. Uh, the, all, yeah. the freaking Blue Jays have a, have a good roster in the well, we uh, have Brown Hand oh, and he's down to the minors again yep and uh, I mean you were asking you were asking me earlier uh, about the uh, uh, the insane uh, about why the uh, the Sox suck uh, recently and uh, my friend uh, David gave me a massive list of uh, a a oh, bunch of re- five whole reasons shit. as to why the socks suck. So you know what? I will I will let my friend David uh, rattle off the uh, uh, the reasons for the Red Sox uh, recent skid. Short answer, everything. But uh, for the first three months of the season, the Sox looked, looked like legitimate uh, candidates to make a, a deep playoff run. However, there were always these warning signs that the team might be more vulnerable than the record would indicate over the last two months everything that could have gone and wrong has number one the offense which is all is overly reliant on the uh, on its top hitters to carry the bottom of the lineup uh, completely fell apart in the clutch in july jd martinez xander bogarts and rafi devers all started slumping at the at the same time especially with, with runners in scoring position and and the bottom of the order can pick up the slack leading it into a severe Spike in wasted opportunities and a drop in in run production. This is also why the this is also why the Red Sox uh, have this uncanny knack for uh, for uh, putting the uh, for you know, putting up double digits in the left on base column um, almost every single game. Yeah, well, number. I'll read, well, read number two for you because I don't want you to read all that by yourself. Number two, the rotation, which always had cracks throughout the first few months, given Sale's absence, Eros underperformance, and Richards and Perez's poor. Track records, five crashed and burned. Eros struggles, though not as pronounced, have lingered. When Rochers was hit particularly hard by the MLB's enforcement of the sticky substance ban, he made it so public. And both he and Perez completely fell off, of, fell off a cliff to the point where it felt like they were competing to see who lose their roster. rotations by first, got in stupid today. Eventually, both did the sale, returning to Tommy John, and Tanner Houck promoted for AAA. The core has been reluctant to stretch either of them, still because of his previous injury in hockey because he lacks the arsenal to go longer than five innings. And on top of that, Nick Pavetta has begun spilling, has begun slipping too. Core has often asked his starters to go an extra inning this year, then watch them fail to record an out when while letting multiple runners each base, creating a mess for number three. And this is probably the biggest uh, problem the Sox have uh, uh, right now. Uh, right now, in my opinion, the bullpen, which due to uh, the rotation struggles, has always seemed like it's been uh, it's being overworked, especially uh, the high end relievers. This month, the pen and finally ran out of gas. This Matt Barnes, Adam um, Ottavino, Josh Taylor, and Hirokazu Sawamura all went from a li- reliable to liabilities seemingly overnight. Deadline acquisitions: Hansel Robles and Austin Davis have been in incons- inconsistent at best. Reinforcements from the minors have proven ineffective, and uh, Darwin's and Hernandez. Is, has missed several weeks to, with an oblique injury. Despite a stellar, despite a stellar season from um, rookie Garrett Whit- Whitlock and surprisingly good series of outing by former starter Garrett Richards, both of whom can go multiple innings, the bullpen finally cracked under the strain of their 
uh, workload and repeatedly either blew a lead or prevented the offense from being able to gain one. And, and uh, it, it also doesn't help that uh, that uh, Cora insists on in putting out pretty much the entire bullpen on uh, on some games. I've seen uh, I've seen the Sox use at uh, use six different relievers in a single game. And of course, they of course that can't be helped by number four. The mistakes made on the field, which has only gotten sloppier and sloppier between in off mark throws, unforced mistakes, and errors that repeatedly give the give their opponents new life, including in letting Cleveland score the go-ahead run on an interference call last Sunday to say nothing of the base running instincts, which seems to grow worse with every passing week, killing rallies with poorly timed outs and base paths, with poorly timed outs on the base paths. Catcher Christian Vasquez has dropped the lion's share of the uh, fan base's ire on both fronts, deservingly so, but he is far from alone. And on top of that, even if, if all that were to be straightened out, there's still one thing left to, left to deal with. Number five, COVID-19. The Red Sox have suffered a full-blown outbreak in recent days, which has seen leadoff hitter Enrique Hernandez, also shortstop Xander Bogarts, utility man Christian Oyo, and four different members of the already exhausted bullpen, Barnes, Taylor, Sawama, and Perez, or Salamora, sorry, either test positive or get stuck in close contact protocol, along with three coaches. Since July 29th, the Sox are 12-19 and and have gone and combined 2-14 and against their big three AL East rivals. The Rays, 1-7, Yanks, 0-3, and, and the Blue Jays, 1-4. All of whom got hot right when the Sox started slumping after making bigger moves than us at the trade deadline. They went from being two and a half games ahead of Tampa Bay and eight and a half games in New York to being 10 games behind Tampa for the AL East lead and two games behind the Yanks for the top wildcard spot. Barely maintaining a one-game lead on Oakland. It's a textbook case of Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will. And the worst part, the worst part about this, in my opinion, is the fact that after the draft, after the MLB draft, the Red Sox second round pick, Judd Fabian, didn't didn't end up signing with the Red Sox. And and what makes this and what makes it worse is that he was supposed to be like the one of the best prospects to trickle through the first round without being picked up, and then and he. Goes back to college to to undoubtedly get even develop even further and potentially be like for one of the top five picks next year next year. And since the Red Sox went completely all out before before the All Star break, that means that that means that the Red Sox probably won't have. Uh, a shot at getting in Judd Fabian or Kumar Rocker, uh, who was uh, supposed to be like the best uh, starting rotation in guy they could have selected with the fourth overall pick, uh, but they uh, selected Marcelo Meyer, who honestly I feel uh, is going to be, uh, I feel he's going to be pretty damn um, good for us. But anyway, that's, uh, wow. that was a lot. Yeah. But of, yeah. uh, well, let's talk about this turmoil with the Lomets. Yes. So, basically, what happened with this one was Javi Baez, Kevin Pillar, and Francisco Lindor. Basically, whenever the Mets started getting good, would give the you know the bow or the thumbs down in gesture. Basically, this got to the point where the Mets management, I think it was the owner actually, now called them out on it. It's like, like we can't be doing this. This is unacceptable. This is unprofessional. All that yada yada yada. 
One of them, I believe, apologize. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure which one. I think it may have been Baez on that, but. But what I do know is that they did end up turning those thumbs down into a thumb, thumbs up with back-to-back ones against the and some Marlins. But yeah, I mean, I mean, probably one of the uh, another pretty big uh, piece of news is that uh, starting pitcher Zach Granke and 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 the MLB's is is local weirdo uh, uh, ended up being placed on and uh, being placed on IL. I. I'm not entirely sure what for. I just know that he got placed on an IR. Yeah. So in other news, we got on. Oh, did you scratch these off already? Yeah, you did. Oh, I got it. Yep. So the Giants are claiming Angels pitcher Jose Quintana off of waivers, and what should be another bullpen piece for the for the Giants. Yep, because God knows they need more of that. And as the Pirates could get worse, they now fired their hitting coach, Rick Eckstein. Well, I mean, it's not like they, uh, well, I mean, it's not like unless your name is uh, is Brian Frazier, uh, you could hit the ball uh, in the first place. Yeah. And the Blue Jays are signing recently released Pirates outfitter Gregory Polanco to a minor league deal. All right. It's, now, not, it's not bad, like, out with that one, though. It's not as bad because, like, you give him a chance to you know, try to get himself better. Yep. All right. Now talk about uh, your time in Philly. All right. So what's like what the Phillies Rays game that I went to? Yep. So I get to the ballpark at around let's say six. I had gotten a cheesesteak in Philly, which by the way was fucking amazing with provolone. Oh, nice. So I go to the shop, the pro shop. And I decided to get myself this. For those of you that don't know, or listening on Spotify, wherever, this is a Phillies hat. Fucking hell, I decided to root for them fucking Phillies for a night. We get to our seats, and Johnson, you have the photo of the incredible, incredible view from my seat, which, by the way, I was in section 322, row three. I actually didn't. No, no, you passed it. No, it was earlier in the day. If I didn't send, I'll send it to you again. So, or maybe basically, the the part, the reason that I sent, I said the thing about Bryce Harper. You know, oh shit! On pause for a second. I gotta take a call again. All right. (laughs) Give me one second. Pause it, Johnson. All right, I found the. I'm gonna start it on the miscellaneous. Go for it. All right. So, while Tanner is not uh, is not in the room, and we don't need to need to listen to uh, his uh, his constant need to uh, to uh, uh to shit his pants over uh, Jake Paul, and let's talk about uh, let's talk about the uh the Jake Paul versus Tyron and Woodley fight it end of. Uh, they went out. They won eight rounds, rounds which honestly, uh, considering in past fights, I'm uh, I'm a little bit surprised that it went to into uh, eight rounds between in the two of them, especially since both of them were actually uh, freaking trying this time. I mean, we we know that it Mayweather wasn't fighting, but uh, but it ended up going to to Paul uh, the off. Uh, 
the judges scores of the uh, of each. Boy, you're on that one. Oh damn it, he's back, so I can't do the entire thing without him. All right, the judges scores. Judge one put it seventy-seven to seventy-five in favor of Jake Paul. Oh, judge two put it seventy-seven seventy-five in favor of of Woodley, and then in Judge 3 put it 78 to 74 in favor of Paul. This is stupid. This is fucking stupid. <laughs> no, you're not. I am not. You're fine. You called my freaking bluff. I didn't. He did not call my. He didn't call my bluff. <laughs> This pisses me off. Yes, I know it pisses you off to two other judges for Ohio, so I'm calling bullshit on this point because to protect the hometown kid. What? Yeah. And and I'm not I'm not the only one either. Yeah, no, like, I know rigged was trending on Twitter because of that. I wonder if we're gonna I wonder if we're actually gonna ever get a freaking Jake Paul redemption arc. No. Please. I hope so. But anyway, back to my story with the uh, Phillies. So I think it was like the fifth inning. The Phillies are down 3-1. Man on first. Like, no, man on second. Yep, this is a beautiful view. That is a beautiful It's view. like right behind. It's like a few. That's South Philly. Like the baseball park is in South Philly. Yeah, but uh, uh, for for those of you who couldn't see it, it he, uh, he ended up getting in seats. It's a couple sections up from uh from behind home plate yeah and uh got a good view of the uh, the whole field got a good view of the of the philly uh, skyline of the philly skyline got a Let me tell got you a know. beautiful view of the freaking mm, mega tr- uh, jumbotron yeah fucking what's it called like, have you ever seen the liberty bell at citizens bank park light up or the whole when a, when a home run happens i have not basically it's like a bunch of christmas lights because it's, it's almost different assortment of colors. It's look it looks hella nice. The lights, you know, like flash like dim and then it come back bright. And that's like when the Bryce Hart hit that two-run home run, I lost my voice. Like I lost my voice the next day. I'm only just getting it back. It still seems a little bit weird as to why Philly is so uh, is so gung-ho about being, being known for it. Known for a really shitty bell. Yeah, but um, as well, um, it was Pride Night there. They had a um all gay men's choir sing the national anthem, which I thought was really cool. Nice. And it was Dollar Dog Night. I wound up buying six one dollar hot dogs. I feel so stupid that I thought it, you meant you brought home six dogs. <laughs> no. No, I want. I want to get sick. That would have been really interesting that and definitely a story to tell a podcast. But <laughs> but no, it was a great game. I mean, I mean, although the Phillies lost seven four that night, it was a hell of a game. The, the fan base was really in the way. We were got me a shit ton of strikeouts and and a yeah, no we decision. Like, I don't know how long. I don't know how many strikeouts he got. We already got a, a crap ton of strikeouts, and and on top of that, a no decision because of course there's 
because of course we can't have nice things in this league. Anyway, no, we can't. Anyway, of another piece of miscellaneous news, Cristiano Ronaldo. Last week we reported he was possibly going to Man City. This time, he's officially signed with former club Manchester United. He is headed back home to Old Trafford. I really don't know how to feel about Cristiano Ronaldo. I, eh, part of me, eh, oh no, I, eh, I grew up eh, loving eh, Messi and seeing a bunch of kids. Eh, it's fanboy about Ronaldo and, and talk shit about Messi. I, I, oh, if you were in Brazil, you would have heard a lot of Neymar. And I know I've been and I've heard. Yeah, I know you've been to Brazil. I know you're, I know you're part Brazilian. And we've talked about it on the podcast, but no, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not even kidding. Like, you know how sometimes like here in the United States, you'll get like you'll see kids playing street hockey or like pick up basketball and all that. I've oh, I have literally only seen in street hockey. I've literally only seen pick up basketball. Well, in Brazil, you'll see a game of pick up soccer in the middle of the road. Wish we had that. Wish we had that sort of shit here. Uh, I partook in one of those games. It was a hell of a fun game. We're not really going to report on freaking J.R. Smith doing homework, are we? Well, you just kind of did. Fine. J.R. Smith does homework, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast where we talk about only the most pressing issues of sports. Like, J.R. Smith does homework. English homework to be more specific. (laughs) Fantastic. I had to do it for a while. Only the most pressing issues in sports. And this is why we're collegiate level. We haven't taken that next step yet. We're 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 barely we're barely even hitting practice squad, dude. Well, I, well, maybe we're maybe maybe we're just that backup one. You know, for how many times we, you know, for how many times we mentioned bench warmer bro on this podcast, is we need. Uh, Perna, Adam, um, and Shannon. And uh, huh? That's true. Shannon. I'm not gonna lie. I thought his name was Eric. <laughs> I no Shannon Schlosser. Frick, freaking Brandon, Adam, Shannon. Give us a sponsorship, guys. Oh, unofficial sponsor. They follow me. That's an unofficial. Special group follows me. And they had no objection to me saying uh, I was the unofficial sponsor. Yeah, no objection. I'll take it. Congratulations, you're. Uh, congratulations, so you're moving random, up in the world. So with that random bullshit, we're gonna wrap up today's podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. It was always a pleasure to be doing stupid shit with sports news for you. Let's see and, how much of this gets edited out. <laughs> probably none. And I dropped my big pencil. That's probably going to get edited out. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Common Sports Podcast. Uh, and next be- week, everybody's back together. Yes, next week we get uh, everybody back. That means it's Jesse. That means uh, that means freaking. That means Zach. That means in sports. That means football predictions. Yay! Finally. Yes. We will see you all next week. Take care. Thank you, guys.